That is the passage of Scripture that we are looking at today. Those are the words of the angel that we are studying today that I think are really going to be impacting for each one of us. We're in this series called Hark from the Mouths of Angels. And it's so interesting to me to see these words or or these moments in these stories where you really see angels become more prevalent than any other point, I think, in the Bible. You do see angels and their activity throughout the scriptures. But here at the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus, we see angels speaking and sharing and glorifying. And so today we look at that incredible passage where the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary. But it is my firm conviction that these words are not just words for Mary. They are not just a message for her, but I believe that they are a message for you. They are a message for each one of us that there are these timeless, timeless truths within these words that will apply to all of us. And so we've heard those words spoken so dramatically, and so then now we, we look into what What's really going on? What are these words? What do they have then for each one of us? And I love how this very first one is where the angel Gabriel says to her that the Lord is with you and that the Lord favors you. The Lord is with you and the Lord favors you. That's just how he starts. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And for some reason I go British. I'm sorry, but it shouldn't be. But greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And I love this, and it's this sense that, that she is, Mary is favored by God in the midst of this moment, and that God is with her. Now, here, here's the thing with this. Like Mary's, it starts to say, Mary is greatly perplexed at this statement, you know, which is also just kind of an interesting way, I think, as she's sort of freaking out about all of this. But she doesn't get it, okay? Mary doesn't get it. There's a lot of this that, that we don't get either. But what's so cool is you think, Mary, I think, is coming at this like, why am I favored? Why am I chosen? Why am I you know, involved in any of this. What is happening here? Like, what, what are you talking about to this angel as he appears to her? But what I love, and I think this message for us, is that Mary is favored, not because she's got it all together, not because she's perfect, not because she's so good or skilled or whatever. Mary is favored because God has a great calling for her life. Okay? Mary is favored uh, because God has this incredible mission for her to be about, to be the one that gets to carry the Messiah, the chosen one, within her and to bring him into the worlds. And that she has this, this sense of calling. And what I think is so amazing and awesome about all of that is that you absolutely are favored because God has a great calling on your life. God has mission. God has purpose for you. Your life even is not just about trying to get to heaven or to get saved and to think about some future eternity. That God has purpose for you now. God is calling for you now in the life that you live. And within all of that, then because of that, you are favored by God. You are favored by him in this way that that Mary is. And I think that's so incredible to think about, that you are chosen, you are called by God. 
Now, the next thing about Mary and, and why she's called favored is because her identity. Her identity is all about God with her. It is fully found in the presence of God. Who she is and what makes her important, that the angel says we're right away, is the Lord is with you. And what's so cool, I think, about this, this message of Christmas is this Emmanuel, God with us. That's the whole point, that God has come to be with us. And so I love even as just that the whole fact that Jesus is coming, being announced to Mary, who's the, one of the first to know, is that it's all about Emmanuel. It's all about God is with you. And so the, the angel greets her with this greeting that the Lord is with you. And she finds who she is in that. Not anything else in that, but just in that and in that alone. And what I love too here is that as this story continues, the angel Gabriel knows her name, speaks to her by name. And you just kind of step back and think about that for a minute, that this, this angel is a messenger of God. That is what the angel's job is to be. Their primary job is to be messengers. Gabriel is kind of the first and foremost of those messenger angels. And this angel speaks to her by name. And that means that the God of the universe that sent him knows her name. To be known personally, to be known intimately by God. That's like this awesome message that is being spoken to Mary and is being spoken to you. That, that God says that he knows you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every detail about you while you are still being formed in your mother's womb, it says in Psalm 139. That you are known personally by God. And I wonder just, how does that hit you? How does that hit you to think about God knowing you personally intimately. Is that something that you maybe you've never thought about? Is that something you do and you just sort of take it for granted that God knows you? The one that created all things knows you deeply and intimately and personally. Because I think that there's a couple ways of understanding God, and they're both true. One is that God is transcendent. Kind of big word there for you, okay? God is transcendent, that he's big and removed, but above all and sees all. God is transcendent. And maybe you sort of think more of God that way. But another way is that God is imminent, which means for him to be near, to be close, to be with you. And I wonder, like, for you— which is easier for you to relate to and understand God in? His, his bigness and his power or is it in his nearness and his closeness? Because both are absolutely true. That God knows you and, and loves you deeply. And so it's so cool to think about these elements that were spoken to Mary are so very much true for each one of us. And then, and then this whole part where Mary's like, and she, it's, well, it says she was very perplexed by this statement, okay? So she doesn't get it. She doesn't understand what's going. But I think a little bit of what's going on here is what's happening whenever angels appear. And it looks a little bit more like if somebody came up on you like this, okay? Angel, <laughs> Mary, okay? That, that, the thing is, is, everybody gets freaked out when angels come. They're not just perplexed, they're scared. And that's why the very next words you get from the angel are, 
do not be afraid. And why, why not be afraid? Because Jesus is coming. You look at verse 30 and 31. Do not be afraid, Mary. And then he goes on to say, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. Don't be afraid. Why? Don't be afraid because Jesus is coming. That's the message I have for you. Don't freak out, okay? Don't spray anything in my face. Jesus is coming. That's the message I have for you. And I, I think about this question for all of us. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Is it paying the credit card bill in a couple weeks here, okay, after Christmas. I think we all have a little fear of that. Um, you know, we have fear of things like public speaking, standing up in front of people and talking. People, that freaks people out, you know. Maybe it's for you parents in the room of your kids sitting still throughout the service, and you're, you know, you're a little nervous about that, or you're nervous about tomorrow night or on Christmas Eve and what they're going to do with that candle that's lit with flame, and, you know, are they going to light the, the Bible in the pew rack on fire, and then you're the one that was responsible, okay? So it's all that things we're afraid of. Maybe kids, you're afraid of how long is this guy going to keep talking. I, I get that, okay? He's going to talk for a little bit while longer, but it's not going to be too far, okay? Like, we're afraid of stuff like that. We're afraid of kids getting a shot at the doctor. That was the thing I was super afraid of when I was a kid, of having to get shots. Are you with me? Who is scared of shots? Did anybody else punch their doctor in the face? Because that's what I did, okay? I punched my doctor, and they had to bring in four people to hold down my four limbs and then give me the shot. I hated it. I hated getting shots when I was a kid. Um, now, I don't know. Is anybody scared of freeway overpasses, the big bridges that go from one freeway to another? Because for some reason, that is like my wife's biggest fear. Uh, I love her so much, I sort of don't understand it, but she is freaked out of these overpasses. And so I'm a good husband, and so when we go over the overpasses, I hold on tightly to the wheel, and I stay calm, and then jiggle it a bunch, right? You know, just to <laughs> kind of freak her out. <clears throat> and she just says, I love you, dear. You're the best. Um, no, but we're scared of just sort of silly stuff, but then there's real stuff, Right? We're scared of loss, whatever that is in our life. We, we're, we're really deeply scared of losing the things that we have. We're scared uh, of not having what it takes in this life. I wonder if we're scared of actually an angel appearing to us and asking us to do something that would disrupt and change our life in ways that we don't want God to right? Maybe we're actually scared of that, of God saying, hey, I have a mission and a purpose for you that is beyond anything you've thought of, but hey, it's, your life will not ever look the same again, and we're scared of that deep down. Maybe we're scared, though, I think, of death. Universally, I think we're scared of death. And what I want to tell you, what I want to tell you today is that because of Jesus— and who he is, and what he came to do, we do not need to fear death. Because we have an eternity to be with him, and we have a present now that is rich and full, even in the midst of great loss. That it is the presence of Jesus that removes all of our fear. That's what we want. That's what we need. And that's what Jesus says. That's what even what the angel says, is don't be afraid Jesus 
is coming. And so Mary's like, all right, don't be afraid. Jesus is coming. Now, what's interesting is, who is Jesus to Gabriel? Okay, this angel Gabriel, he begins to go through this and describe who Jesus is. Mary doesn't know. Mary doesn't know what's going on at this point. But he says, behold, you will conceive in your womb, this is verse 31, and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So these things that are spoken about who Jesus is to Mary, that he's great, son of the most high, son of God, sits on the throne, reigns over Israel forever. His kingdom has no end. There are many kingdoms that reign for centuries, but his kingdom has no end. And the angel said to Joseph, he will save his people from their sins. All of this is spoken about who Jesus is before he's even born. Okay? All of this. This is who he is. So Mary, did you know? Absolutely she knew. Look, it's all right here. Okay, people? She knew. Did Mary know? This is what she knew. Okay? Mary knew that her baby boy would be all of this. So yes, absolutely Mary knew. She still needed to experience it and get to understand it. But absolutely yes, Mary knew. But the biggest thing that Mary, I think, was about to learn and learns in the midst of this is that anything is possible with God. Because the angel speaks all of this, and then the angel says at the end, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Sometimes, this is one of those verses that, uh, you know these verses that we sort of pull out of Scripture and use as quotes? You know, and sometimes we kind of forget where it comes from. And I think even sometimes in my mind I had like, for, uh, kind of almost like associated this verse with Mary as being the one who says it, that Mary says, for nothing will be impossible with God. But no, that wasn't yet true. Like that wasn't yet Mary's outlook, okay? Mary hadn't gotten to this point yet. She gets, pretty, pretty soon she's going to get there. But Mary wasn't thinking nothing will be impossible with God. Actually, Mary's response to all of this is the word but, okay? Mary's response is but— Sorry, I have kids, maybe you enjoy me saying but in church, but it's not that one. It's just the one T, okay? So her response is but. She says, but, she says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? How can this be? Her response is not not thinking that, like, of course, yes, I'm in. I get all of this. She's asking a question. How can this be? And I think it's so easy for us, just like it was for Mary, to get focused on the wrong details. Okay? Mary all of a sudden is just thinking, like, how can this happen? Like, I don't understand. This isn't something that should happen. And we clearly see the reasons so often for us of why a miracle can't happen. Our logical minds, our natural minds think this is something that can't happen. Something that God has promised can't happen. When God wants to do something beyond what your mind could ever imagine. And then we just think, but God, how can this work? You know, God says to you, God says to you, I love you. And we say, I'm not worthy of your love. And God just thinks, no, 
Don't think of it that way. That's not what I'm talking about. We get focused on the wrong things. God says to you, I've empowered you and gifted you. And we think, but God, I don't have the talents that these other people have that seem to do great things for you. I want to do those things for you, God, but I'm not talented enough. But God says, I've empowered you. I've gifted you. God says, I forgive you. And we think, but God, I'm not, I'm not worthy of your forgiveness. How can I earn this? What can I do, God, to earn your forgiveness? He says, no, no, no. I forgive you, and I forgive you for all of it. We think, you know, God says to us, anything is possible. God says, anything is possible with me. And we think, but God, there's no way. It can't be to be healed. God, it can't be to restore that relationship that has been broken. We think, God, it can't be to free me from that addiction. God, it can't mean to give me that friend that I've always longed for. Or whatever it is in your life that you think God can't do, God says to you this. I'm so hype right now. Anything's possible. Anything's possible! I love that, okay? So as much as it pains me deeply to show a clip of the Boston Celtics celebrating after beating the LA Lakers in an NBA Finals, that pains me, but I love his, like, anything is possible! And that's like what I kind of imagine, I want you to imagine the angel saying to Mary. She's like, how can this be? Anything is possible! Right? And that's just kind of what it's like. And so I want you to have that kind of passion and that kind of excitement about what God can do, because anything is possible. And God, it's so amazing to hear sort of the love and patience he has because I sort of picture this as that like face palm emoji that God has at us in this sort of a moment where we just are like, but God, how can you do this? And God's just like, uh, but it's like the most loving, uh, because here's, <laughs> here's how God responds. He doesn't just say like, you know, have you not listened to anything I've said or whatever? He doesn't have this rebuke. What he does, what's so cool, is she says, how can this be? And he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And so he says this crazy thing, that you will be able to have a child while being a virgin. And she questions it. And then he says this, and behold... Even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. So he says, look, I want you to see that I've called you to something that is beyond your belief. And you might not believe that this can happen. I'm telling you it will. And I'm also showing you that I have done something else that's beyond your belief. And it's already happened. Okay? He's showing her evidence and giving her assurance that he works in incredible, miraculous ways in the midst of her doubt. Any of us doubt? <laughs> doubt is pretty common, I think, for us. Even for those of us that absolutely believe in God. We believe that Jesus Christ is God. We believe that God can work miracles. Yet we think God would never work a miracle in me, right? 
It's so easy. And God says, hey, hey, look, let me show you. Let me show you how I've worked in the past. Let me show you some stories that will build up and bolster your belief and bolster your faith. And so I wanted to share with you even like a few stories that I would say, okay, you might not believe that God can work. Well, let me share with you ways that God is working and has worked in our own community. I've shared with you many times before about how I was born with leukemia. And God miraculously healed me as a baby boy of that cancer. And I stand before you today. But there's also tons of other ways. I love some of these stories that came from our Celebrate Recovery ministry and from our prayer ministry, our inner healing prayer ministry, where people have really experienced big life change. There was a a man that reached out from prison, and he was mandated by the court to attend a recovery program when he came out. And so he attended our Celebrate Recovery And within that time, he fell in love with Jesus and became a follower of Jesus. And then going through this process of recovery and having Jesus in his life, his marriage has been transformed. His life has become whole. And he's become a leader that helps others through that. So from prison and broken relationship into wholeness— because of Jesus Christ. And that kind of a story, that life transformation should bolster our belief. There was a woman who came from a family of addicts who herself was addicted to methamphetamine. She was homeless, living in a car with her child, a person that's part of our congregation. She came to our Celebrate Recovery several years ago, many years back, and through that, came to this saving relationship with Jesus Christ and came to be freed from her addictions and now has a beautiful family living for Christ, helping others in the midst of that journey. That that is a story of life transformation that's real. And I, I hope that that bolsters your belief to believe that God can transform and heal the relationships in your life. Another one through our, our prayer ministry, there was a father that had uh, significant issues with anger that were displaying in his, in his family and in his workplace that were affecting his life in pretty significant ways. And he realized how much his relationship with his earthly father was affecting all of that, where he had not been accepted, he had not been seen, he'd not been loved. But then he experienced, through this prayer counseling, how the way that his heavenly father sees him and how much he's accepted and loved and as he was tended to and cared for and healed through a lot of that, that woundedness that he had, he's come out of that and found his voice and found his, the way that he can be then a good father in his own family and has dealt with that well and is now living that out in true healing and not displaying that anger in his family. I think that is the kind of story that should be celebrated. Now, this last one, is through our prayer ministry as well is a little more radical and uh, is kind of uh, similar to what this story is we're looking at today. There was a woman who'd been trying to have a baby for seven years and her doctor told her and her husband that they would not be able to have children anymore. And she came to the counseling, the prayer counseling ministry, not for, for that, but actually for something else. And as she was kind of working through this other stuff, which was a lot of woundedness, a wounding event that had happened with her earthly father, um, as, as some of these things then were highlighted, and Desiree, who leads our prayer ministry, prayed with her and kind of processed through some of that. 
they began to pray through and kind of do some healing work through these curses that had really been spoken over her about her physical body by her father. And as that went on and through that prayer healing, it was nine months later that she had a baby. That woman who was called barren gave birth to a child. It's incredible, right? That's incredible. That's a miraculous story. And I hope that you hear these miraculous stories, whether it's something like being healed of leukemia or being told you were barren and then having a child, or, or stories of having issues with anger manifesting in your family or addictions that you are healed from as well. Now, what I know is always difficult with some of these stories is, look, with the story in, with Elizabeth in the Bible, who was barren and then had a child, not every barren woman in the Bible then got pregnant. That's not what that's saying. That God works in lots of different ways. And God does healing in lots of different ways in us. But what I pray for for you is that the stories of Scripture and the stories of God at work today will help you believe that God truly can do anything. Because I believe that. I believe that God can do anything. I believe that God works miracles. I believe that God transforms lives. And I believe that God has transformed many of the lives in this room. And I pray that those stories will build each one of us up and show us that when Jesus comes, when Jesus enters the scene, anything is possible. Don't be afraid. Jesus has come. And anything is possible with God. Because here's what God did, is God says, the angel says, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's this, the, this Greek word, the New Testament was written primarily in Greek, and it's this Greek word, episkiatsai, which means to cast a shadow or envelop with a cloud. That the power of the Most High will overshadow you, that you'll be enveloped with the power of God. And there is this, uh, this, this thing in the Bible, this understanding of God's presence with them that Jewish people remember through this thing called a chuppah. Okay, say that word, chuppah. All right, good, good. Okay, I'll kind of wake you up a little bit. But just the chuppah is if you've been to a wedding where there's four posts with a canopy over that, right? That's a chuppah. And what that represents is the power and presence of God, God's glory covering over you as you get married, covering over the people of Israel throughout the whole story of the Old Testament. God's power and presence overshadowing them as he protected them, as he cared for them each step of their journey. And what I want for you to know is that as the Spirit of God overshadowed his people in the Bible, overshadowed Mary, God's power and presence is here and present with you. He is here. God's power is covering you, is with you as you go each day, that his power and presence are with you. And that is what Christmas really is about. God with us. That God is now with us. Not just in some cloud that is over, you know, the people as they walked along from place to place, but God's Holy Spirit now dwelling within each one of us, dwelling within those who follow Him. And so our response to God in the midst of this is to trust. This is what Mary's response is. Mary is perplexed. She's freaked out. She's got excuses to start with. You know, she's got reasons why this shouldn't work. And God says, look, 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 this is how I work. Trust me. So I say to you today, God is at work in your life. Trust him.
do you trust him? Because she transitions pretty quickly to how can this, from how can this be to may it be done to me according to your word. And that's how this passage ends. And so I'd ask for you just even to kind of process through that, what, that, what those words mean. May it be done to me according to your word. That Lord, whatever you have for me, whatever it is you've called my life to be about, whatever hard thing that you've called me to do or to have to struggle through or experience or suffering, and Lord, maybe I'm healed, maybe I'm not. Maybe I see the miracle, maybe I don't. But Lord, in the midst of all of it, I trust you, God. And to know that he's with you through whatever you're going through, that's what it's about. It's not getting what you want, it's that he's with you. And so I just ask if, if we could just say, and I'm not even do it a couple times, but just say, may it be done to me according to your word. Let's say this together. Ready, go. May it be done to me according to your word. Think about those words and what that represents. Saying, I trust you, God. Let's say it again. May it be done to me according to your word. May it be done. So Heavenly Father, I pray for each person here. Lord, I pray for us to be able to trust you. And to know that even when we are afraid, the message here today is that Jesus is coming. And Jesus has come. And he will come again. And so Lord, thank you that your very spirit dwells in us. And I pray, Lord, that you would transform our hearts to say, may it be done to me according to your word, God. I pray that we would surrender ourselves to you in that way. Lord, thank you that your presence dwells with us. In Jesus' name, amen.